What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the New Year special of the Chronicles of Podcast. We appreciate you uh, jumping in and joining us uh, over these next few hours of absolute delicious content uh, and the crazy and hilarious moments of the last year. Um, we really appreciate any time that you spent with us, however you've consumed us into your face or your ears. Uh, it is graciously appreciated. Hey there. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and James. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Matten. Hi guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. To kick off this New Year spectacular, we're going to look back at some of the incredible interviews that we conducted in 2023. We can't say a big enough thank you to every single person that took time out of their day to sit down with a bearded brummy and a Scotsman with an English accent who lives in Wales. You know how it works. But a massive thank you to everyone that sat down with us and chronicled their story. We got to speak to people from far and wide, all different sorts of backgrounds. And to start us off, we're going to look at some of those people that work in the background. They're not in the camera. They're not in front of the microphone. No matter what it might be, they're behind the scenes making the things that you love work. So let's tip our hat and say thank you to those people. You mentioned that you're part of the Black, the Black Panther series, uh, the Black Panther movies. Um, whose idea was it to put all them little dots on Michael B. Jordan? Because that must have taken fucking ages. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty extensive. Um, uh, I mean, it was Ryan's idea. I mean, each one of those represents a kill, right? Yeah. That's, that's the idea. Um, and we had a different version at the beginning that was more ornate. You know, more like more ornate scarification. It was like patterned. Uh, it, we had tested on Michael, but, um, you know, Ryan felt that it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be that. It should be, you know, almost like hash marks, you know, on a on a wall or something, a notebook or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot of plotting, you know, to figure that out. We had a body cast and, you know, plot out sections. And then, you know, you sculpt them nowadays would just grow them in the computer you know I'd, I'd use one of these guys and print them out you know in sheets you know mold those and then use those as your transfer pieces but yeah it, it was uh it was extensive and then you know of course he's fighting you know in them and he's fighting in the water and there's a lot of abrading that's going on and it's in atlanta in the middle of summer which is extremely hot <laughs> and extremely humid um so it's you know once you get the makeup done in the morning you spend hours and hours getting it ready your day is just beginning at that point because now you've got to maintain it you know so by the end of the day you're just you know and then it took you know it took forever to get these things off we had to take him into a sauna and there's like five guys scrubbing him in a sauna you know to get these uh you know these prosthetics off him insane because i imagine weather plays a massive part as well and it's obviously uh your surroundings everything that as well obviously with heat whether it be water etc so i mean fair play to joel because my patience uh, i I don't have a lot of it so (laughs) to do what you do i would last about two seconds and then knowing that you've got to do it the next day and the next day and the next day it's like it almost becomes like you know when i get a makeup done and you know i take pictures i take video you know it's like i finish the makeup and you know i i get stills of it you know i try to shoot everything as professionally as possible um 
once I'm done, it's it's like, okay, I did it. You know, I've, I've done it. You know, I, I, I did the makeup. And then you have to do it again. And then you have to do it again. And you have to do it again and again and again and again. You know, like Whitey Bulger is like, you know, whatever, 40 some days of makeup. You know, David Harbour is Hellboy, 50 some days of makeup, same makeup over and over and over. Um, it gets, yeah, it gets monotonous. Uh, I remember on uh, uh, Pirates 2 and 3, I was doing still one of my favorite makeups I've ever done, the makeup on Stellan Skarsgård, oh. Bootstrap Bill. Um, I would change the color palette every day. He's like, okay, he's going to be a little more green today, and today we're going to go a little more yellow, and today it's a little more purple, you know, and I just kept changing it. You know, it's like certainly the bullet points have to be there, starfish is orange whatever it is you know but you never know that you know and you know the, as long as the prosthetics all go in the right place you, you'd never know that it was different so i was saying earlier like how you book in both bands all year round do you have like a process and a way to keep because if it was me i am absolutely useless i would get so mixed up i'd be like shit i've just booked a pop punk band for arc tangent fuck <laughs> So do you have this process of how you keep it all separate? Yeah, well, I mean, I basically got a, a spreadsheet with the all the stages and all the different slots, and it's got budgets on there as well. Um, and yeah, I I don't tend to offer. I'm not. I make all my offers at one go, so I'll I'll spend a few weeks, if not months, planning the lineup, and then I'll send forty offers out in one go. Um, and then I'll spend another few weeks and then I'll send another, I'll send, I do like batches of offers because you change your mind offer often and you're like, oh no, I don't actually want to book that band. I'm going to book this band instead or whatever. So yeah, it's, um, I've never yet booked a pop punk band for Arctangent, but <laughs> I'd like to see it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've lost track of the amount of times we've heard the word spreadsheet in this interview. I'm going to tally it afterwards. Oh, do you know what, my, You're my, a lover my, of spreadsheets. I can tell. Yeah, shit, that is embarrassing. Because my, my brother uh, <laughs> always takes a piss out of me. He's one of the 2000 Trees organisers and he calls me the king of spreadsheets. Basically, <laughs> you can't organise a festival without without a spreadsheet. A, a many, many spreadsheets. In 96, you're working on WMAC Masters. You had a really bad accident from what I was going to... Which could have ended a whole lot worse for you. What on earth happened? Uh, That, you know, it's funny. People people think they understand, but the short version is uh, that 1992 Olympic gold medalist I talked about, uh, people put their own fights together, and that evening he didn't really have his choreography down, and I was like, dude, don't worry. He was, like, really stressed now, and I was like, look, don't worry. I, you're going to throw with this kick and I'm going to do this really cool move and it's, it'll look great. Don't worry about it, man. It's, it's late. It's, you know, three, four five in the morning and everybody's just super exhausted. And as a young man, one of the things I always wanted to do is my dream of being in Hollywood was always, um, I wanted working with me to always be fun, exciting, and, 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 and just a constant, um, uh, experience of, of of creativity where different artists are coming together and just bringing in their talent and art to the, to whatever we're working on and, and we're having fun man and so uh he wasn't having fun so i wanted to make him you know feel better and so he went to throw this kick and i went to do this flip in the air and he goes to do, and then i start to spin 
and I take the fall. And during rehearsals, it went great. And then suddenly the uh, guy behind the camera at the time said, you know, it's, I'm seeing the pad. It's not looking so good. Let's try this other pad. And they brought out something we hadn't rehearsed on. And unfortunately, that piece of equipment, that pad, was one of those non-skid pads. And so the wardrobe grabbed on real tight to that surface while I was spinning, stopped the one portion of my body, and then the rest kept tweaking. And so, yeah, there was a big loud snap and a pop and a crack. And then I sounded like, um, then I sounded like Bill Bixby turning into the Hulk. And you hear me <laughs> scream, you, you hear me scream. I say something like, I think I broke my knee. <laughs> and, then, and then they roll me over and I sit there and my feet are like this. And all of a sudden my foot goes and I go, I didn't do that. <laughs> it's and then i go wait i can't do that i can't turn my hip and open it so far that the side of my foot lays on the ground and so oh. i get taken to the hospital uh march 14th at 5 34 in the morning in florida and uh they end up having to put a, a rod in my leg and uh olympus and so the 92 gold medalists and the guy, a character plays Tsunami on the show. They're there. And one of them's holding my leg and the other one's holding my hand. And the doctor goes, we're going to drill a rod through the skin, through the bone and out the other side to stabilize you because your femur is now like this. And we need to put it in alignment. And they do it without, they can't numb the bone. So the moment before, this is a really funny, gruesome story. The moment before, there's a little kid next door, and he's crying. And they go, hey, Billy, guess what? There's a Power Ranger next to you. <laughs> really? There's a Power And then they go, so then they, that's like five minutes beforehand. Now he comes in to drill me, and I'm like trying to get ready. And I'm sitting there, and he starts to go, okay, we're getting ready now, Mr. Betts. If, if you move that leg and I slip, we're going to have to start again. So don't move, okay? Here we go. Oh. And I go, come on, come on, bring it, man. And he starts to drill me. And I'm like, I don't care. Ah! <laughs> Meanwhile, Billy next door is probably traumatized to this day. The power <laughs> is like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> And then I remember the doctor goes, Mr. Betts, Mr. Betts. I go, what? He goes, we're done. I go, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Billy to this day is about 45 and in therapy still. <laughs> One of my personal favorite things on doing this show and talking to people is to hear of those incredible opportunities that they've been given in their amazing career because they put in that hard work, they put in that drive and determination and got to where they need to be today to achieve phenomenal things. Let's talk about the Merciful Fate show, shall we? Let's, let's get <laughs> on to that. Um, so obviously, like we said at the start of this interview, the, the announcement was made at Bloodstock that somebody was either searching for you or people thought a proposal was happening. How did all this come around then? How, how did they approach you? Did you inquire? No. Um, so I was um, watching, <clears throat> who was it? Uh, Dimmu Borgir were on. And I, one of my friends was playing on like the Sophie stage earlier that day. And I know this phone signal is really bad at Bloodstock most of the time. So I was like, I'll just wander into VIP and see if he's there because I don't think I'll be able to have a chance to, texting him probably isn't going to work. So I'll just like wander around the serpent's layer bar and just do a little loop and see if he's there and i do this little loop and then um my friend sophie from painkiller clothing uh she comes up to me and she's like 
oh, uh, and um, it sounds kind of random, but I, I need you to meet someone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll meet whoever you want, yeah. Um, and she's like, wait here. And I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, Livia wants to meet you. And I'm like, don't know who Livia is, but cool. Yeah, I'll meet her. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> and then she's like, don't go anywhere. And I'm like, okay, very important that I meet Livia. Like, don't know who this is. Um, and then she kind of disappeared and then came back and was like, yeah, come with me, come with me. I'm like, oh, so she's not here or she's out there. What's going on? And then I realized she's leading me to the backstage this like like the side of the main stage of Bloodstock and I'm like who's Livia <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I need to know <laughs> um and like why, why are we going next to the main stage uh and then uh yeah we go back and I'm I'm thinking like okay the next band on tonight is Merciful Fate like they'll they're gonna be here like I wonder if I'll see them and then um I start speaking to uh who someone who I figured out was uh, Merciful Fates manager and he was like oh do you know why you're here and I'm like I have no idea why I'm here I'm meeting Livia <laughs> uh, and they were like oh uh, Merciful Fate needs to speak to you and I'm like oh, what oh my god I'm gonna meet Merciful Fate this is incredible um, um, yeah they're like yeah they want to ask you to come on tour and I'm like doing what <laughs> merch what, what do they need what do they need me for is there gonna be some kind of like live sacrifice am i gonna be like tied to a stake and burn like i'll do it i'm up for it um but they were like oh, no they need a bass player <laughs> like oh right i can do that <laughs> um and yeah so it turns out livia is a uh, king diamond's wife and so she's like she, she was kind of doing a bit of like the kind of liaison and stuff and help like kind of like his assistant on this tour um and she had realized that i was at bloodstock and a couple of days before they decided that they were thinking of asking me to do it and because she had heard that i was at bloodstock she's like well what we, we might as well ask her in person and like meet her and you know show that we're genuine about this um so yeah, so she knew Sophie of Painkiller Clothing and then sent Sophie to come and find me. And luckily I was in the VIP in the Serpent's Lair area, easy, easy to be found, <laughs> uh, just at that moment that she was looking for me. So because we was really lucky because like that uh, last year's bloodstock was so hot. I spent most of the time not in the arena, actually just like trying to shelter from the sun. Um, and the internet was so bad, like I didn't have uh, much signal. And so I, I had been messaged by Livia and a couple of other people in the Merciful Fate team. But because it was like in my other inbox on Instagram that wasn't loading up, uh, I didn't ah. see the message. So <laughs> good job. Wow, I was nice. at, the, the, at the right place at the right time. Oh, just the call. When he called me up, um, I uh, when the Dangerous Tour happened, well, let me back up. There, there was a keyboard player, Rory Kaplan, that was on the, the bad tour. <clears throat> and I was talking about Jeff and he goes, oh, I, I did some teching for Jeff when he was out with Jan. I'll introduce you to, well, the bastard never did. So oh. the next tour comes up and I go, I know that the dangerous tour is going to England and I know Jeff lives in England. So let's match it up. <laughs> and I went through different channels and invited him to a show at Wembley Stadium and two opening acts went on and then Michael canceled the show. And it turns out Jeff was turned away at the gate because he, he missed the openers and wanted to come to see 
me and Michael. <laughs> and so I was so distraught. I thought this just sucks. And so I called him up and said, you know, I don't know when or if they're going to make up the show, but can I meet you anyway? And he said, sure. So the next day I went to Townhouse Studios where he was recording his rockabilly record. And I met him, listened to stuff that he was doing. And during a break, I asked him to play Blue Wind off the Wired record. And I had one of those old school video cameras long before the smartphone. And I didn't charge the battery. I got about 10 seconds of it. But I, I know, I know. I love your reaction for that. And so I got the spare battery that also had 10 seconds. But anyway, just watching him do it, although I had learned all the notes, I wasn't playing it the way he was playing it. He had he was bending things that I was just playing the note dead on. And it just opened up a whole, the heavens opened up. Um, it was such an education just that day. And it, we, we chatted for a while. And thankfully, I, I had a couple friends with me because although I knew his music, I didn't know him as a person. So it was a little awkward, you know, we weren't friends. Um, so we ended up talking for an hour and then he drove me back to my hotel in his Batmobile, which anytime he has, you know, half a mile free, he's going to have the pedal to the metal. And it was, I was thinking, man, if I'm going to die in a fiery car crash, this is a rock and roll way to go. You know? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I, I probably wouldn't ever see him again, but I got my autograph and I was able to give him a copy of my first CD that was out at, at that point and uh, a video MTV and in, in the UK was playing the flight of the bumblebee video on headbangers ball late at night. And so I had just gotten an interview that I had done with them on a VHS or what do you call it? A pal pal format, which we can't play in America. So I gave him a copy of that and just went about my way. And he called me a couple, I want to say a month or two later and said, I finally listened to your record and let's record together. And it, you know, I was just mind blown. I would have given anything to have that conversation recorded because it was just, it was a dream I didn't have. I just admired the guy and, you know, any interview he did, I would try to seek it out and learn from it. And every record that he did, I would listen to a million times. So um, it, it didn't happen for another five years. He did a couple tours in between and I would go see him on tour and he, he would say, we're, we're going to play together. And I always thought, well, you're saying that because I'm in your face. I know how it is to be inspired in the moment and then you're on to something else. Well, he called me up and said, we got a tour of video or a tour of a uh, uh, video. Just had a, a thing pop up. Yeah, that's the squirrel mind of today, right? <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, tour of Italy. And he just went on the faith of two records at that point. And I thought, man, you're bonkers. I mean, we've never played together. How can you just say, come tour with me? So I had a, a session booked in Milan. Spammer. Um, and... So I flew over and I also booked myself to, to London and took a train down to his house, which was a whole other story because I public transport and me are a whole different thing, <laughs> <laughs> especially with the British trains. <clears throat> and I ended up, I learned the guitar shop record and played it for him in his presence just to make sure he wasn't bonkers. And we played three or four songs and then he started playing with me and then 
his wife brought out the whiskey about midnight and we just partied all night and I had to fly out the next day and do this session in Milan and it wasn't good. I was in bad shape. <laughs> and I mean, going from that, can you imagine being hungover and then you got to do this 164 beat techno that's gang, 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 and the fills were, were like four notes. Okay, fill here. We got another fill coming up here. It's just, just awful. And I just begged him, you know, we, we worked for a couple of hours and I begged him to just let me sleep it off and let's take this up in the, the next day. <laughs> what I can imagine was a major career highlight for you, everything we know about you is 2010, you went on tour with Limp Biscuit. <laughs> can you remember getting that invite and you'd be like, holy fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember we were, where were we? I want to say we were in Germany at the time at like a punk festival. Um, yeah, we did a punk festival that was in Germany. For some reason, they invited us on Thursday, right? So us, the Black on Thursday were both there going, why are we here? This is strange. And everybody else, everybody else in shorts and got trumpets and that. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? We're all dressed in black, sombre. Why the fuck are we at this punk festival? And then, yeah, we had a phone call. Um, it was just a phone call or email off our booking agent at the time, Sean Goulden. And he said, um, good news for you. Um, you've been offered the Limp Bizkit tour in Europe. Um, bad news is you're going to be losing 18 grand. Wow. Um, basically, by the end of it, with costs of like running the bus and all that shit. Um, do you want to do it? So I replied instantly going, yes, of course, I fucking do want to do it. And yeah, that happened. And um, yeah, they invited us out on tour with them. At the time, my display picture was me with a big blonde um, helmet hair, but I had blood running down my face because I'd been smashing my head, smashing my head with my microphone. So I had blood down my face. And as we walked into the first aeroplane uh, hangar of the tour, because that's what it was, it was like a leisure centers and aeroplane uh, hangars with limp biscuits. Come on down. <laughs> And yeah, so we did up the first date, and Fred Durst was on stage, and he went, "Hey, Sean, I love your Twitter picture, man." And I was like, "Boys, he knows who I am. My life is complete." So yeah, that was fucking unbelievable. That tour was great. We um we didn't expect to even fucking talk to him or meet them, and they couldn't have been nicer. At one point, um, I made a joke about telling John Otto to fuck off out of a dressing room because he was in it more than he was in his own. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he took us to the massive bridge with me over and over again, so he's allowed to do that. Um, and yeah, that tour was fucking absolutely magic. I remember Sam Rivers, a couple of dates in, was like, "You guys are, are doing better than almost every other support band we've ever had because by now they're normally being booed or." Um, yeah, just not having a good time. And he's like, it doesn't matter if they're hip-hop, if they're new metal, if they're metal. He's like, our fans don't don't tend to... Like, they're you for Limp Bizkit, and that is it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we ended up winning a lot of them over. We were playing a song called Spread Legs, Not Lies, um, yeah. which um, I said to Sam Rivers, how come you guys don't play Pollution from the first album? And he said, because you're already playing it. And that was um, basically a nod to the fact that Spread Legs and All Lies is the exact same open riff as fucking Pollution. 
Um, it's not far off at all. But the fact that Sam Rivers went, because you're already pay, playing here, and we were like, oh, you have watched us. Fair enough. Fair enough. We've been caught. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good. Um, it was a fucking dream come true. And then I mentioned on every podcast I'm on, but yeah, if you YouTube Limp Bizkit and the Flacket, there's a video of me singing Counterfeit with um, Limp Bizkit, and it was literally a dream come true. I don't know of another band that I could have performed with that I loved more than I loved Limp Bizkit. Like, I've, I've sang with Lost Prophets. I've sang with Limp Bizkit. There's no other bands I love who I could face no more, but that wouldn't happen because I'm awful at, awful at singing any of those face no more songs. And so, yeah, it just wouldn't happen. So there's no, yeah, I completed it. I completed singing guesting with my favourite band, like. Something. Didn't that become? Didn't that Limp Bizkit come thing come along because you wrote Fred a letter or something? Yeah. So yeah, we'd we'd been on that tour for like twelve days, and I was being a bit cheeky, so I wrote a letter that said, and I remember it verbatim. Dear Limp Bizkit, the blackout year, you might remember us from the last twelve shows. Um, is there any chance of you playing the rock mosh anthem counterfeit as none of us have seen you guys play it live? No worries if not. Thank you very much. Love from the blackout. And I give it to Fred's bodyguard because Fred was downstairs already sound checking. So I give it to his bodyguard thinking his bodyguard will read this. Call me pathetic and then rip it up. And then we were in our dressing room. We had a knock on the door and it was Gabe who is Fred's personal assistant. And he knocked the door and said, oh, Limbiscuit want to see you downstairs. And I was like, oh, boys, I think I've got us kicked off the tour. Because we were sick. We were fucking sick of people going, play your fucking, play stuff off your first EP. You know, the bits where the songs don't make sense and it's just they all just happen to be in the same key. Um, So I was expecting them to go, boys, we've got fucking chocolate starfish, man. Why, why do you need things off $3 bill? And we got there and Fred went... um, if we're going to do the song, you got to sing it, man. I was like, all right, yeah. So he handed me a wireless microphone and he said, "Um, the old man TV's in the middle. He had like an auto cue. So if you can see Limp Bizkit now, he's always got like three monitors in front of him. One by there, one by there, one by there. And the middle one is a auto cue. When he's got a guy on the side who's scrolling through the lyrics like that, which is my job. You think by oh, now it's automation. Like AI should be able to do this stream, but no, probably not. Um, and so I did like the most virgin thing you could ever do, right? No offense to any virgin. Um, I stepped over the TV and I looked him in his face and I went, I was born to do this. <laughs> yes. Dead God, serious, like, like a virgin. Like. And then I proceeded to do uh, an impression of Fred Durst at Fred Durst for four minutes. So um yeah it's good it was real good it's time of my life really and yeah two videos of us we did it two nights we did it that first night in hamburg and then the second one was in norway or denmark i think copenhagen i think it was um and then on the last day we turned up and limp biscuit cancelled the gig and went home so we didn't we've been very fortunate this year as well some people who joined us in the past have returned to join us once again. They had such a good time talking to us. They thought, I want another slice of that pie. Speaking of being impatient and needing to know something, you did something quite... Re- 
No, this isn't failing. This is a fucking win. So right, okay. you did a few weeks ago, Saturday Masher, you were slimed on TV. I was so yes. damn jealous. Oh, don't be. It's... Being slimed on TV is a lot like during jury duty. And I've done both, right? Everyone who hasn't done it thinks that that's, that's something they want to do. No. No, you don't. Why? I've always wanted to do it since I was a kid. Do you know what? It might have been better if I was within reach of home. Oh, okay. So for, oh. For, for broader context, Saturday Mashup is a CBBC live magazine show that I went on to promote Horrible Histories. And it's a lovely show. The people there were so great. They really eased us through. I'd never really done live TV before, so, you know, I was kind of nervous, but they really did. Sorry, I'm fiddling. They really did everything they could to make us feel at home and right as rain and everything like that. The one issue that I have with the programme as a whole, and this isn't anyone's fault per se, is that it's in Glasgow. Ah. Which oh is far away. Yeah. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm game for a laugh. Friday, I hop on a train. Uh, do you know how long it takes to get to Glasgow by rail? About eight hours, seven hours? Four and a half. What? Four and a half, direct. That's nuts. Is that from, that's from London, though, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Just straight up. That's incredible. Uh, we'll, we'll get onto this later because we've got other stuff to discuss that also involves trains. This is going to be a train-heavy app. <laughs> I've, le- I've learned how far away things are on trains. Um, so so I, I, I get into Glasgow um, and it welcomes me by the heavens opening. Uh, oh, in what was at the time, um, you remember this is back in this must have been what well, this was June, so this was we just had a little burst of, of heat, yes. and then that all came to a close, and then and then it was rain for the rest of the time. But I arrived and it was biblical, rock into the hotel, go over to a uh, a little bar nearby, uh, um, which was I mean, <laughs> it's called Lebowski's, and Brilliant. yes, in answer to your next question. Did you have a white Russian? It is entirely <laughs> themed around the 1998 film, The Big Lebowski. I now need to go there. <laughs> um, uh, it was, and it was pretty good. Uh, so, but did you have a white Russian? I certainly did. Yes. I had one of the 28 white Russians on offer. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's more than one? They're mixing it with all kinds of stuff in there. Mm, and they've, they've, all got, they've all got delightful names. <laughs> Everyone Google it. I'm not going to say them here. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it's Glasgow. It's rough up there. So I get in the next day for Saturday matchup, early doors, um, run through rehearsals, everything like that. Everything's going well. We kick off at half nine and we've got two and a half hours roughly of stuff. And at the end of it, I get slimed. Now, I had a train to catch. Ah. So I get covered in this stuff, right? I'm absolutely head to toe. I'm gunked. <laughs> It is, it's bad times. And because of where I was sitting, because I was with Jess Ransom, uh, wonderful, horrible history, shout out, shout out. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so we sort of went there as a pair. So we were getting slime together. So because of the angle of where I was and because of where the slime was coming from, a lot of it went in my ear. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. So my brain's covered in slime. My body's covered in slime. My clothes are covered in slime. And then basically once we go off air, I'm I'm hurried uh, to a changing room where which has a shower and I'm also given a heavy heavy duty bing bag right and so that that contains all my uh, all my um, clothes that goes in the case Sh- quickest shower I've ever had in my life like just scraping the gunk out of the side of my head oh. with a chisel. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> throwing everything in the case and then hopping in a taxi to the train station and then four and a half hours out. Oh, oh. dude. That's brutal. And, uh, fun fact about what they make the slime out of, I think it's mostly soap. Okay. So when I got back, I thought, well, I'll chuck everything in the bath and try and get the slime off before I put it in for a proper wash. And I tell you what, the lather I got on that. I shouldn't have worried. The washing machine. I honestly shouldn't have worried. It's so clean. It's probably a good job I didn't stick it straight in the washing machine. It's just a bubbles go fucking everywhere. <laughs> <I'm really laughs> Please, I did it because I, it was saturated. Like it was, it was a bad scene. Well, I feel I don't feel as jealous now. I'm, so you put my mind at ease a little bit there because I was very jealous when I found out. I'm not gonna lie. It, like I said, it's it's exactly like jury duty. It's <laughs> a great way to compare. Yeah, I've, never done, I've never done jury duty. I've, I've always been intrigued by jury duty. Though. See, <laughs> what did I just say? I've always been. I've always thought I'd love to do my civic duty. No, you wouldn't. Doing just, your civic duty sucks. Yeah, but I'd want like a really like delicious case. Do you know what I mean? No, you like, don't. Because they last for ages, and you're not paid enough. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. All yeah. right. In that case, uh, let's just edit. actually no, Joe doesn't do any editing, so no. that's in. That's in there forever <laughs> don't, now. Don't believe in editing. <laughs> I know there's no editing. <laughs> I rewatched it, remember, and I was like, God, they cut nothing. My word, not even any of the stuff that was legally actionable. They kept that all in. <laughs> release it and do that kind of thing so that'll be nice i think <clears throat> so I, I heard somewhere that you wanted to make this album like a trilogy like between the roses and this one where where did that idea come from i don't know i just thought that'd be cool i've just always been a fan of trilogy like films and you know just that whole like idea of three parts i just feel like it works really well and for me i just feel like i have one more in there you know as far as like this concept goes, so I just I'll probably do it at some point. Make it. I just kind of feel. I'm wondering what a title will be. We've got between, beneath, or we on top of the roses. It'll be like betwixt the roses or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know yet. I actually don't know what it'll be called. Well, please, quite. That's a great word. That is absolutely great word. I don't even know what it means. I actually don't know. Is it? It's between things, isn't it? I think. I think it's between again. <laughs> just call it that. So you put the rose in there, it's called Betwixt. Yeah. I'll come up um, with something. Because obviously, between it, the way I looked at it was like between is like life, living, enjoying through the roses. And obviously, beneath is death. So I didn't know if it could be like afterlife or. Another, another worldly. No, that's 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 a sort of concept I, no, 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 I, I that, took from names. That just made me realize that's kind of exactly what it is. I didn't, I didn't really consciously think of it that way. But yeah, that I think that is kind of what I was doing. And like this album, I just wanted to go a little, explore like more of the darker parts or darker side for myself. I don't know if it makes sense to anyone else, but yeah. And then yeah, I just feel like somehow close it off, close it off with the third one. We'll see. But I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, how would you come up with the names for your songs? Um, it's I really it's it's all usually for the most part it's just like whatever the song is like that's what I'll call it. So it's like the, a lot of times like the chorus tagline or or the whole point of the song is just what I'll name it. So I usually I like I pretty much always will you know I'll 
come up with that first. Like that'll just kind of come to me first, like the, the point, And then I write everything around that. So. Okay. So you don't know, you haven't had like the songs where you've gone, I'm going to call it church. No, I don't like that. No, no, no. Let's call it Jester. No, I don't like that either. Um, you know, have moments like that. Not really. No. I mean, maybe for some of like the EDM stuff or whatever. Yeah, no, it's always like, I just there. So. Okay. Um, I, I know somebody kept asking this on your social media, so I thought I would actually ask the question so that they can finally be answered for, for everyone to enjoy. You know, um, Bear how- is back. Disney has finally fought Source Sense and brought Bear onto our screens and uploaded it all to Disney+. Plus. How happy were you when this happened? Well, it was like, it was like first of all, it's like for years, I mean, years, people on social media have said, like, like they should put bear on 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 disney like you should tell them to put bear on disney can you put bear back on disney as if somehow i had control over this <laughs> a couple of times i answered if it was up to me it never would have gone off the air so the what? fact that you i have this power is adorable but i don't i have squat in the decision making and so that's why I was, it was actually on my birthday last September and I was taking a walk through the park and I got this notification on Twitter and somebody saying, no, congratulations on Bear. And I was like, immediately, you know, like, you know, what? <laughs> and I just like looked and it was just like, you know, Bear's coming on Disney Plus, like, you no, know, October, you know, like, like um, 19th or, and it was just like, nah, like, so I, so I, I Googled and just like checked another site, like, mm, okay, let me check one more. <laughs> so I che- I checked like I checked like four different sites. And uh I was just like, okay, this actually seems legitimate. <laughs> and so that's when I just said, like, okay, I guess it's actually happening. And so that's when I went on on uh, uh TikTok. I did this quick little like it was like 10 seconds. It's just like, you know, guess what's finally coming on Disney Plus. And there had a little bear theme underscoring underneath. And it just like went like viral. It was insane. People just went nuts over it. It's it was it was it was incredible. And I just kept building up to the fact that, yep, the coming, it's coming. And it was officially announced, like, yep, it's coming. It's it's coming out. And and then when it came out, apparently there's for some reason, there's like seven episodes that aren't included. So now I'm getting, <clears throat> you know, it's like like you should tell them put the the seven episodes on. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Let me write that down. Thanks for reminding me. I'll send an email to the mouse. I know him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yo, Bobby Iger, Noel here. Listen, <laughs> could you do me a favor? <laughs> Just throw on those seven, would you? <laughs> yeah, like you know. <laughs> What's the hold up? <laughs> exactly. Don't you know who yeah. I am? Star Twinkle 1047 on Twitter really wants these seven on. Would you mind? <laughs> Could you be a pal? They'd really appreciate it. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> what we absolutely love as well is not just finding out about the artist and their art, but the work that goes in behind the scenes, the stories behind the art, how they got to where most of your career has revolved around one thing, and that is the glorious sport of professional wrestling. Where did this love and passion for wrestling come from? 
Um, being 10 years old or nine years old, no, 10 years old would have been just about. And my brother had been sent off to the school where I would be going in a few years. And he came back with a, with a friend from Dublin one weekend. And the thing that we had seen once or twice on ITV back in the early 90s and made fun of ridiculously was suddenly like Warhammer 40k, something to be taken very seriously. And we don't make fun of that now because it's one of your brother's interests. So all of a sudden, this thing which, and like, I remember at the start being like, this, this, the thing with the Ultimate Warrior and the Undertaker that we like really didn't like, we, we're watching this. And like literally within 15 minutes, I was like, oh my God, Shane McMahon, can you believe that he's going to betray his father and be the referee at Survivor Series? He doesn't want that to happen. So I was just, you know, it was the absolute perfect mix of being something a little bit naughty that I knew I probably shouldn't have been watching. Same kick I got out of that, I got out of South Park. It was, <sighs> you know, something that I didn't, I you know, had my kind of, compulsory year of pretending to like football that every boy is expected to have in Western Europe. Uh, but I'd never really had any sort of kind of sports or, you know, physicality or anything like that. And it really, you know, it really spoke to me. I loved seeing all the crazy moves that mankind spoke to me immediately. I thought, oh my God, a character who's not like most other characters. Holy shit. And I just found myself watching this show every week. I used to get so excited for Friday nights because there would be, you know, the comedy on BBC Two. You get Bottom and Rabsy Nesbitt and all all that gold, and you get a bit of shooting stars. And then, oh, you swap over to Sky, and the laughs would continue on Monday Night Raw. Like I think the fact that it was funny was so important. If it wasn't funny, I don't think I would have become a wrestling fan. You know, hmm. I think wrestling makes me laugh to this day in a way that nothing else can. And I love comedy of all shapes and sizes but when wrestling is funny and it hits that sweet self-aware spot my god nothing i watched the royal rumble 2007 the other night i literally pulled a muscle i was laughing so hard <laughs> at the great cali slowly clearing the oh. ring and unwilling participants all be like Oops, have been thrown. oh my god so funny oh my vince mcmahon taking a stunner at wrestlemania this year then having to resign in disgrace so funny <laughs> <laughs> Mate, but, but how did you go from mark larue from alabama to lash larue from new orleans like was this your ideal was this something that you were given to work with yeah 100 my idea but the hybrid went a little something like this so as i told you guys man i grew up here in alabama my dad was from lafayette louisiana but i never knew my dad so uh, you know, i've got that legitimate cajun roots that I've never really leaned into because I was never around that culture around those people. Now, with that being said, I think even people that are in the swamps of Louisiana will tell you that when you start talking about the rural South in the United States, there's not much parity there, right? We're all just country people. That's all that we are. And so it wasn't that much of a stretch from a personality standpoint. It's not like I had to learn how to play that character. But the reason why I embraced that was this. Uh, when I started wrestling, part of that training is they put a microphone in front of your face, right? Mm. Well, when they put a microphone in front of my face, I was 18 years old and I was from Alabama. And so I talked like I was 18 years old and I'm from Alabama. I talked about it like this, you know, and that's just the way that I grew up. And that's the way people around here grew up. And that's why they were talking. You probably would have even more difficulty understanding me because you have that, that uh, you know, that change in accent there where we go across the water there. 
So you can imagine how, diff- how how it was, even though here for someone in New York to listen to someone talk like I talked from Alabama at the time. And so they told me really quick. They said, oh, oh whoa, kid, you can't talk like that on television. You got to drop the Southern accent because there was a bias there in television at the time that Southern was considered, people equated that with ignorance, right? The old Southern hillbilly sitting on his porch and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so yeah. you, know, you can't, nobody's going to take you seriously. You need to drop the Southern accent. And I thought, man, there's no way I could drop the Southern accent. And I tried. I worked on enunciation. I worked on my speaking voice. I worked on all that stuff. And uh, and I just couldn't, couldn't drop it. And then it hit me one day. I go, you know what? You got guys like legends, like the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, who had a little bit of a list. Well, he couldn't get rid of a little bit of his list. So since he couldn't get rid of the, when you talk to Dusty in person, Dusty talked about like this. I mean, his list, he had a list, but it wasn't that bad. But when he got on TV, baby, he could turn it into a character, if you will. And he used that list to his advantage. And so when he got funky like a monkey, people loved it. And it became part of his charm and his charisma, if you will, baby. And so you had people like Dusty Rhodes that could pull that off. And then you had someone like the Macho Man, that when you're around him in person, the Macho Man is going, yeah, man, I think we're going to go out there. We're going to have a pretty good match. It's going to be good. But when they turned on the Gene Okerlund lights and a microphone's in front of his face, and the Macho Man Randy Savage, yeah, baby, and way over the top, and we're going to bring it down here. And then we're going to get loud again, and I may talk about anything. I'm thinking about how this thing might go tonight. And I'm going – so there's this long history of wrestlers just taking whatever it is they've got already and just making it over the top. Well, I had grown up here in Alabama watching public television. We have this thing called uh, public television that even though everything is commercialized in the United States, for some reason, at some point, the government decided they should fund educational television on the local level. And so we had educational television on the local level in Alabama called Alabama Public Television. And that's where you would get some low-budget shows that would be on there, you know, on, on the local channels. And there was a guy that was a Cajun chef that looked a lot like, if you guys are, are familiar with Kentucky Fried Chicken, he looked a bit like Colonel Sanders. And he wore, like, suspenders and a blue shirt and a bow tie, but he was Cajun. And he'd come on there and he'd cook. But half of the show was cooking. The other half was just him being a Cajun storyteller and a little bit of a humorist. And so when he come out, he would go, all right, here we go right now today. We're going to sit down here. I'm going to cook you a little something. We'll have a little wine for the chicken and a little wine for me. This is going to be the best thing you ever put in your mouth. I guarantee. Hey, we're going to let that bon time We'll let the good times roll. And he just had this Cajun sound and this Cajun character. And I thought, man, you know what? I can't hide my Southern accent. But, man, I could really enhance it with a Cajun accent. So I started being the raging Cajun, a last little rule, the little lesson of bon ton roulette. We're going to let the good times roll. I guarantee. And I do that when I got in the ring, you know. And, um, and if you're going to launch, you want to go big or go home, don't you? You want something big to make a statement. You can't be like, welcome to this podcast. I'm interviewing the guy that works down the road at CX. Like, you know, that's not going to be a huge so how do the stickers come off so easily you know like you're not going to be able to do great content are you why is the trade value of playstations so shit it's not the episode that people want so i basically 
thought to myself, if I'm going to do this properly, my dream guest would be Kevin Smith. I'd love to work up to that. So like episode 100 or episode 250, get Kevin Smith. That's the goal. Like get a piece of paper, write down 10 names of guests you really want on the podcast. And your dream is to try and tick them all off. And as I sit here today, I've ticked off nine of the 10, which I originally started. And on episode 300, I finally tick off the last number on the list, which is the best feeling in the world. But Kevin Smith is the reason I think we both said, didn't we, Jamie, that we wanted to start podcasting. And it was basically in September of, well, it'd be August 2016. They had the Yoga Hosers premiere in London at the Prince Charles Cinema. And I went down and genuinely tweeted out stupidly i'm gonna try and meet kevin smith today and all my friends were like go on like you can do this i kind of did this little story as i went down there of me on the train and then me arriving at the cinema and something felt like all day like this is gonna happen sounds really weird but i just thought i'm gonna meet him he's good with fans i'm not gonna be a dickhead i'm not gonna be a fanboy i'm not gonna try and kiss him like it'll be all right so i went to see the film and as he did his intro and finished he left the cinema and started walking towards the doors i got up and held the door open for him he said cheers i got into the reception and it wasn't awkward but it was like we both stood there and i said hey kevin huge fan didn't want to be too fanboy um i'm going to be starting a podcast and i know it sounds crazy but I'd love to have you on. Is there any chance we can just do a quick 10 minute interview? I have my phone ready to push record. And he's like, oh man, I'm really sorry. I'm uh, taking my daughter out. We're going to a restaurant in town. It's already booked. And I said to him, look, you always say from when you researched and worshipped Wayne Gretzky, which is one of his favorite hockey players of all time. It isn't about the goals you score. It's about the shots you take. So this is me right now taking my shot. And he went, and you could see him like, fair play. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like, I can't deny that. I say it all the time. And he said, listen, I can't get out of going to this. We're going to a really posh restaurant. Will, Will Smith and his kids are meeting us. It was like a big event. But what I will do is when it finishes, come back here. The film's playing till midnight. I'll meet you in reception. And do you know what? You can have 10 minutes of my time. And I was like, wow. So I went back in, watched the film, shitting myself, thinking, is he going to be there? Is he going to call the cops? Am I going to be arrested? Am I going to be blocked from coming to the cinema? Everyone left the cinema about quarter to 12. I hung around in reception. The staff like, you need to go now. I was like, no, no, I'm meeting Ken Smith. They're like, yeah, of course you are. And then fair play, he came out of his dressing room or wherever he was backstage and was like, are you ready then? And I was like, yep. And we just did it. I hit record and I interviewed him and it's terrible. It's me just scared, not knowing what I'm doing. But I interviewed him and I got it. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I was like, that's the reason I'm going to launch this podcast. But I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, Mark, like that's a big one to launch. What do you do with episode two? Like and the guy that works in KFC? Like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, this like, is- um, like False Gods was Bex basically saying uh, into a voice note in uh, like after watching Bart's going. I've had ads. Uh, guys, guys, I've had an idea. I've had an idea. I want a sexy song. That literally was it. I'd been in the middle of washing up. I'd take washing up gloves off. I was like, guys, I'd love to. 
<laughs> Nothing says sexy like a pair of marigolds, and it just gave yeah. me this idea. It was like a whole concept. What was it? Because I, I was listening to Rina Sawayama, who I was obsessed with. I'm obsessed with her debut album at this point. And I was like, I want a sexy song. But I was like, but yeah, it's got to fit on an album that's about the dystopian society. I'm like, depression's not very sexy. So how <laughs> do you make it sexy? <laughs> so I was like, it's going to be from the viewpoint of the elite. And I made this whole story in my head. And I was like, guys, I want to, sh- I think it was Shakespeare. I was like, I want to yeah, go Shakespeare. Yeah, song. And, it's gonna- and I sent you, I was Rena, and I sent you this- Remix of Gimme More by Britney Spears, and I was like, This is what I want with some guitars. So, and then I broke false guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing, yep. Yeah. Uh, Hive was uh, sort of from a riff that I wanted to sound like a swarm of bees trapped in a concrete coffin, so that was where Hive came out. Um, Cold started off with my head wanting to uh, basically trying to recreate a life support machine. Um, yeah, my head's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> it's and this one references are like not musical alongside it. I think when we were making the um, the set for um, the Buzzstop Awards this year, and we were talking about like doing this interlude between sort of what's normally our final song into desolation which was what we finished with a bloodstock when we hadn't played it anywhere else before and i was talking to adam kind of like was what i wanted and i kind of gave him like a reference from a michael romance album song and then i was like and then it needs to sound like a transformer pile up on the m1 <laughs> i was like got you done <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like it's Float Down was like, I wanted to, uh, that we've got a track called Float Down with Britain. Um, I wanted that to sound like um, being in a flotation tank. And uh, yeah, there's loads, loads, loads of kind of the, the ideas I've got in my head. Like we've even got stuff we're working on where I'm like, I want this to sound like this. And I want it to sound like this. Or Bex has got like an idea and gone like, I want this song. And I've gone like, wicked, give me a week. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's the the tribe writing process is musically we have an idea of what we want to. We know it's weird. It's like I'm. We know what we sound like, and I know, and it's like I know what we, what we sound like, and we. That's weird. We, I know what I want to portray, and how all of us want to portray it, because there's it's kind of like there's there's a cathartic hope in the brutality and that's kind of something that we always want to make sure is is in it so everything needs to feel like as much as it's heavy that there's there's light at the end and that's mm. you know mm. it's every song we've written there's something like that even sunburner like the ending of sunburner is disgusting like it's utter filth. Their Mason dis- was disgusting on that on that final breakdown. Sounds like he's draining a toilet. It's brilliant. But the the whole of Sunburner is about um, me being diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, and it was beforehand uh, what I'd be doing, kind of denying it and ignoring that something was happening and consistently going like, I'm getting worse, but I've got to ignore it. I can't, you know, nothing's happening. I'm okay, I'm fine. Um, 
and the ending, as much as it's heavy and disgusting, it's literally the point where I embraced it and went like, no, I've got to learn how to live with this. And it was hard, you know, it was years of healing and a lot of hard work to get out and get, you know, sort my head out and, you know, support from, you know, with support and friends and family like Bex was there and Danny was been there for me, Ben was there, um, friends and family there for me as well the whole time. But it was hard, I'm not going to lie. And that's what the ending of Sunburner is. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but you'll get there. Do you feel like the songs are like a sort of way of not dealing with it's the wrong word, but I mean, it's your way of getting it out of you, like being like, this is me, enjoy it, la la, sort of thing. It's like, odd. It's kind of, it's odd. It's because, you know, it's that it's that whole thing of being, it's not so much a case of going, oh, it's a, it's a purging for me. And that's, it's very much a case of, again, it's that, it's a release for me and I hope it's a release for, you know, and it's a release for Bex, it's a release for Danny, it's a release for Ben. And even though we do um like instrumentals written all about Adam and some of the like a lot of the lyrics are as well, we write the top lines together. So that's always a very collaborative process as well. So and I think like co-writing on those as well, like I always find there's a lot of expression within the carving of a melody. And it's something like I remember when we like first kind of really started writing and Adam's like, right, I've written all the lyrics. I'm like, we haven't even got a melody yet. How have we done that? Because, <laughs> because like I always write melody first because mm. like I think there's something that you can express a story and a message through melodic, melodically, sometimes even more so than the words. So like bringing that together where like a lot of Adam stuff is like sort of predominantly writing lyrics first. Um, I think then coming together is quite a good match for then really bringing the emotion and story out as much as you can. And I think, yeah, what's good is we we know our palette, yeah, like yeah. diverse and bonkers, but we kind of know what works for us. I'm not going to write a country song anytime soon. Like that's not. That's my next question gone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Okay, we'll put that back in. Country song may happen. Another thing that we absolutely love on this show is to, to little, be a little bit selfish every now and again to find out about our favourite things, to find out about the projects that these guests have worked on that we absolutely love. Because, you know, we work hard on this show. We're allowed to be a bit selfish every now and again. Right. So with your voiceover work, you've done quite a few recognizable voices like mm. Han Solo, Woody yeah. in Family Guy, Obadiah Stain for Marvel's What If. Like, how did, did you have to like audition for these? Because you've said before yeah. you're really good at doing impersonations. Was it a case I, of we need an Obadiah Stain? Can you do? Yes. I, I had every job that you see on there I've auditioned for. I auditioned for everything. I, and and the volume of things I've auditioned for that I haven't booked is legion. So it's like part of that is just is part of the process with with voice matching because I don't I mean I don't at the risk of going too humble about it. I'm like I'm a Midwestern guy with a baritone voice with a lot of control over it and a really good ear. So if I if I you know like if I go into Nicolas Cage, I know first of all. 
there's um, there's a there's a phrasing and a music to his particular dialect. Uh, it's breathy, but also back of the throat. So then also if you just pivot into RDJ, so Robert Downey Jr. not really that far off from Nick Cage either. A little bit less breathy. Okay, so uh, also that like okay, so is like my my key in that valley thing. But then you know Harrison Ford is down here, so you know the music is totally different versus Tom Hanks. Hanks is you know he's just he's open and just a very you know generous spirit. Where's Vince Vaughn? Who's up here? Faster, quicker talker, right? Like in this spot. So like it's it's all of those characters live in different spots in my in my voice and um and knowing how to how to access it. It's literally like figuring out uh, it, it's it's physical. So like if, if you're in a gym and you're doing legs, you're working your your lower part of your body. So like for me vocally, Harrison, uh, Jason Stifum, uh, who else down here? Ryan Winstone. Right. So like all those live in the same pocket, but then there's just little pivots that get you into that spot and there are rotations. So then your, your ear helps you sort that. But then again, also microphone work and spending the time in, you know, grandpa's studio doing, doing that. Um, just it's, I've been, I've been, I've been working on that craft and to be able to slip between my entire career. And I didn't start doing voice matching until I was in my forties um, professionally, because I mean, I would have loved to go on to Saturday Night Live, but impressions weren't something that we were really doing at second city. That wasn't the kind of work that a lot of my castmates wanted to explore. So I just didn't. And, and then I kept that hid that under a bushel until I was in Chicago. When I got into Chicago, I kind of started doing impressions and, People were like, what? Where did these come from? I'm like, yeah. So I think the first the first voice match thing I booked was a series of demos as Owen Wilson for for Chili's that never end up coming together. But yeah, going to Chili's. That was like it was basically, you know. <laughs> that was literally magnificent. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's Thank you, Maven. Tell but... me and Tom love watching people do impressions. Oh, yeah. So that was yeah, the I mean, best. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's just... But like it's the greatest party trick ever. But then the other part of it too, is like most of this work is very, very subjective. You could watch a movie and walk out and have vastly different opinions of the film. But the one thing of this craft that is not subjective is impressions. You either sound like the guy or you don't. And people, everybody is an expert. Everybody's an expert at going, what? That's not Al Pacino. That Al Pacino shit. But then you're like, well, no, that's Al Pacino in heat. That's not Al Pacino. And, you know, my Al Pacino is Al's, you know, here. My Al Pacino is sort of vapid, kind of a cross between uh, Son of a Woman, Al, and Heat. Look, I don't know what you want from me. You know, that kind of a thing. But um, versus Al Pacino and The Godfather, very, very different. So it's just a matter of of where your strengths are. I can't do young Harrison Ford, but give me Harrison Ford, Force Awakens and after. We were being hunted, uh, you know, not versus the versus, you know, my buddy AJ Lacasio does a perfect young Harrison. And it's like Harrison through the Indiana Jones films 
Um, and Scott White does them really, really well, too. There's a lot of guys. There's, there's not a lot of guys who really nail them. There's a lot of guys who can get close, who could do like a gruff, get off my plane, that sort of thing. But like, but trying to get the nuance, that's the other part of it. And, and the part that I feel really comfortable and confident in is like, there's the impression, but then there's all, then there's the matching aspect of it. And matching is not just doing the voice, but what you do with it. Mm. So, you know, Harrison, like it's a magic trick to do Harrison's voice, but then when we were doing call of the wild, I was going in and doing voiceover for him and, you know, talking about, <clears throat> where is it? Um, it's my son. I have to go far, far beyond maps, you know, like, so fi figuring out how to do the voice, but then play him. I've got to act as well as Harrison would act. So that, that requires um, a different set of skills of really and you worked on probably one of the most famous projects that never happened superman lives you storyboarded the illustrious fangarian snare beast like yeah, what you, you... the flash movie right yes i was gonna ask about that as well yes yeah. but did you know that was coming or did you watch him be like holy shit there it is <laughs> I, well, what I expected was like some background, you know, uh, uh, like stuff on a monitor or something like that. You know, <clears throat> I did not expect what I saw on, on the Flash movie. Uh, they basically, they didn't need my permission, by the way. They had the right to do it. They paid for it. Um, I, I sent them the, the highest scan res I had of the artwork so that, it, you know, if they but the way they used it they used it almost like board artists uh, like a like you know concept art and and storyboard art in which case they didn't really you know as long as you can see it it would have been fine you know um i didn't know if they were going to actually put something out there <laughs> but uh yeah i worked with john peters um i was hired uh to design the the giant um the famous giant spider that uh, was in the Kevin Smith script. And if you've seen the making of Superman lives or the death of Superman lives, yes. um, they go into that quite a bit. You know, Kevin Smith explains it and everything else, but this was before Tim Burton was attached. Like I never heard the name Tim Burton in there. I mean, Kevin Smith was still in meetings with us, you know, at least the one meeting. And <clears throat> And it was it was it was kind of weird. Um, it was weird that I had to draw Superman, but they did they didn't want to have Superman in a Superman costume because John Peters basically said that he took a picture of Superman out on the street, and then the homeboys or whoever the way he made it sound like he went into the ghetto to get you know people playing pickup basketball in a in a shitty courtyard to describe how. They felt about superman i did <laughs> he may have just gone into a mall and talked to some kids i don't know but his thing basically was that superman was gay because he was wearing tights that was basically it and that uh and that you know batman is cool because batman he's batman i guess but he has like leather and he's all in black so i ended up doing superman dressed in in like his uh, outfit that he comes back to life again after the superman uh, 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 the death of Superman arc that DC yes. did, right? Because that's where the uh, the genesis was. It was essentially 
and uh and i still think they should do brainiac they, the animation shows do brainiac very well and they've yet to how many different you know lex luthors have we seen we've never seen brainiac which is one of his top two bad guys i put him you know way up there it's it's and so you know you know, I, I I did I did some background stuff. I did the you know, the interior of the spaceship that looks like a big weird uh, spider web. If it were done in like uh, you know resin and and uh, Tinker Toys, if you know what the Tinker Toys are, you know like uh, just hard rods with a little bit of goo or something holding them together. Look pretty good, you know. I did a lighting thing where you don't see the spider altogether at the same time. John Peters wanted to have a moment before the first fight happens where he, I, I know he wants to use another word. He used the word Yanni. This Yanni opens up. Let's call it a vagina because that's oh, what Oh, okay. And all these small spiders fall down on Superman and just cover them. Okay. And I did that. I boarded that sequence. And I, the the keyframe I did, I think it's still one of my best because I, I borrowed heavily from H.R. Geiger on that Ooh. one. And uh, it, I think it came out pretty creepy. <clears throat> but in the end, when I showed him all these designs based on real spiders and stuff, because they had actually sent me to a uh, a library, a motion picture library that had all these great, this great reference stuff. His response was, this looks like something I ate at sushi today. I'm assuming it's a fried shrimp head or whatever, you know. And so, of course, they, he wants, he wants to have like a human head kind of deal. Like, like a Brainiac's head or something. It says, oh, yeah, so, yeah, we're more scared of human heads than spiders these days. Yeah. What? <laughs> you are a fucking cretin, you know, but anyway, you know, that's just basically, I said, I already did what I wanted to do. I, I'll do it. Pay me another thousand dollars. Okay, I'll do that, you know. Oh, I'm so gutted this project never happened because it sounded like the most clusterfuck wonderful movie of all time. Well, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> I, I had to laugh when I saw the Tim Burton designs of like his his spider. It was basically Brainiac is the head in a cloak, and then when you open up the cloak, it's these spider legs that go down like like six feet or whatever. And I'm going, yeah, fuck you, John Peters. That's what you're gonna get. You know, that's that's your spider. <laughs> you like your spider? It's got a <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> so weird because uh, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan so I, I was na I'm always naturally want to hear about this project because it just fascinates me but yeah when that came up watching The Flash and then I saw that you did the design for it I was like I've got to find out more about the Fangarian snare beast <laughs> yeah obviously they don't there is no backstory in that Flash thing you know no uh, and and it's it's they had one thing that I didn't have. I didn't have a a uh, a clear reference of of uh, 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 you know the costume. They mm. this 
way before they even started getting in on the costume kind of deal you know and i think i knew it was nick cage but i didn't draw nick cage i i've already i went through that once before nick cage was supposed to be the star of the first jumanji and mm -hmm. i drew every single one of my drawings and it was only after i'd been off the show that i heard about john uh, uh, uh robin williams taking his place so nothing i drew looked character it was supposed to be Nicolas Cage and not Robin Williams in Jumanji. Yes. yes. That's a whole different movie. <laughs> yeah, well, the crazy part would have really came across as crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's a version I'd need to see. Like, what? This year, we were very fortunate to attend two of the UK's biggest music festivals. First off, we attended 2000 Trees in July in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, and what an incredible time we had. It was my personal first time ever going to the festival, and I'll definitely be back. It is an absolutely incredible place. Uh, we sat down with so many incredible guests while we were there. Here's a few highlights of our time speaking to, as everything unfolds, Sean Smith of The Blackout, Bex, Lost Alone, and Jamie Lenman. You guys are going on tour of Electric Cowboy. Yeah. Uh, that has got to be so much. I bet you could not wait. Oh, I can't wait to go. Because they get everybody like, well, when yeah. we saw them in um, London, so we, we went to the show um, and we they, they got all the other bands on at the last date. I was like, I am, if they do this, I'm so excited. Like, that's, that's the only thing I'm waiting for is the last day. So we can go on, I can just film like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are gonna fucking stage in bed. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, that, to be fair, we'll just do it. I don't think they'll care. <laughs> yeah. The tour's gonna be phenomenal. I'm like, gutted. I can't go. I went to get tickets. I'm sold out. I was like, yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. away. Sold out yeah. So fast. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like they're quite small venues for them. Like, and who's to say? I don't know if they're like great. Like, genuinely have no idea. Like, because I was like, oh, like they've all sold out, and the tour's not till October. So like, I don't know what's gonna happen. It'll be fun anyway. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's yeah. We weren't at Download, but all we heard about Download was, fuck, there's so much walking. There's a check us out. So I'd like the Blackout. We uh, reunited for downloading. And we played the, uh, the Friday, the Avalanche stage. I did walk over to the Avalanche stage to the Saturday, and the, the, the part of the route, the part of people were common. <laughs> <laughs> the the Samuels got the link, right? <laughs> I went through my little breeze. And I walked to the Avalanche Saturday to see Cohen Cambia. By the time I got there, I did my friend Dan and I went, Dan, I know walking all the other game. Think of one slip biscuit of it. And I knock up all their okay? It's too far away from the rest of the festival. It feels like we're closer to slam that than we are out. So if I'd known that, I'd have played into the black of weight. I would have made the orange a hunk of the same. Everybody, wait outside. I'd <laughs> shake everybody's hand. So I walked up, it was too fucking long. It was too far. And I, the fact that anybody can say, after that go, it was a human to me. But I didn't realize how far it was up from the day, which is the other side. But yeah, I walked on the side of it. I'm never coming this far again. You now see all the Gurkha guys are on the side. No, no. <laughs> the goats. Oh, the <laughs> oh, oh, watch over going. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Pierre Cat, Pierre the car, you're not going I know. That was one of the download goats yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be paying me. It's like, oh, I just want to stay. Like, so we went to download, and I was just like, I don't want to go home. You know, everyone's like, I feel gross. Like, I'm ready to go for a shower, and I'm tired. 
Yeah, yeah. Having someone's fun. Bring the showers here, it's fine. I don't need a shower. Look at my, look at my next shit, Bex. Yes. I'm still here. Still here. I believe I'm playing Saturday. Have they put me on the lineup yet? I know, they've been trying to contact you. You're in a field. And also, it's only 1800 trees. <laughs> Did you know? I've counted them twice and be sure. Three times. <laughs> oh, God. It's just nonsense, like, yeah. the way, how, how, you know, when Greg's brought out a vegan sausage roll, like that. It's like meltdown. It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, for real, the people are going that mental about that. I was, just, it might, oh, I could rant about it. It just blows my mind. Like it blows my mind. It's like anger's directed in the completely wrong areas. Yeah, completely wrong place. Exactly. Use it in a positive way. What? Why are you focusing on minority groups of people that have no effect on your yeah. life whatsoever, exactly. and have it hard enough as it is, and you're just fucking piling on this shit. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like. Fellow grand people are going, they're not getting rid of your sausage rolls, yeah. don't worry. You can it's just an alternative. Yours. Yeah. yours, you're still going to wear half of yours, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's, what do you mean it's not real sausage? It's bonkers, though. I literally think you have to be the sharpest dressed man here. Do you think? Oh, yeah. definitely, without a doubt. I'm looking around, I'm just like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. I'll be going on. This person's wearing, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> you look great. You look great. Can't be matching outfits. No, no, no. I can't. no. You, you would have. I'd never live it down. <laughs> no. How are you anyway, sir? You yes, well. I'm very good. Thank you very much for asking. I've just been sort of uh, doing interviews and doing signing since I got here. It's a whirlwind. But I just had like uh, a really long uh, piss, so I feel great. I'm <laughs> jogging these guys. So I had some mac and cheese. It's all good. It evens out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when, when did you get here? Oh, I got here at like half two. Uh, yeah, and then we had to go through accreditation. Then I, uh, we had a birthday cake because my job was birthday today. I baked him a vegan birthday cake. That's not true. And the wife baked it and I decorated it. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then we so we ate that and sang him a little song. Then I went to check out a bit of uh, One Step uh, Beyond, that uh, One Step Closer. Yeah, sick. I had a bit of mac and cheese. Went to do the signing. That's like an hour. And then I've been here since like four o'clock talking to you fine people. You're yeah, the proper mainstay of the festival, aren't you? you? Yeah, I think you're here like every... I guess, I, I mean, I actually, do you know what? I, someone tested me on this. I haven't been here for five years. Have you not? I haven't been since 2018. Fuck it out. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's true. That is, okay, that's blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. blowing my mind as well, but that's true. So, yeah. Oh, fair. Well, anyway. So, uh, so they, they get along fine without me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you looking forward to your set? Oh, not much. Yes, I am. Although, how much of it I'll be able to sing after three hours of interviews? That's uh, right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Should have thought point, about yeah. this. It'll be fine. Jacko's a better singer than me anyway. Yeah. Just get plenty of liquid death in you. Keep the vocals yeah, I reckon nice and more lubricated. Lubricated and lubricated. Good word. I like that. And in August, we were very fortunate enough to return to the Bloodstock Festival there at Catton Hall in Derbyshire. Yet again, getting to interview bands backstage. Please make sure you take time to check out our Sophie Lancaster vlog. It means the absolute world. We worked very hard talking to the incredible people behind the scenes and guests at the festival. But here's a few highlights of our band talking to bands at the festival, including Skies Turn Black, Acid Age, Fury, Employed to Serve, and Jesse Leach of Friday Night Headliners, Kill Switch Engage. You do, you're like, yeah, yeah. And 
there's, it's way more inclusive compared to like when I was at school and things like that. There's a lot more people who are <clears throat> open to listening to other other types of music. When you've got what I would sort of like, kind of like label as sort of like your, your emo kid, your mosher kid, and then you've got your maybe more mainstream chavier kid, and both of them are having a conversation about Slipknot. <laughs> and and those are the things that I've seen that I've been really pleasantly surprised by. And and I mean, it's bad for me to label um, a, a kid and put into a box, well, you're an emo kid, you're, you're a mainstream chavier kid and things like that. But that's, that's more from sort of like my upbringing that is happening less and less. And I think that's meant... It is. And, and it's something that I'm doing less and less. That was, that's from very early teaching. <laughs> teaching perspective yeah. is that. <laughs> we're, we're both music teachers, so yeah. we, we do make an effort of trying to like talk about different genres of music in our classes and like, that's uh, incredible. you know, and like showing yeah. each other everything from Ed Sheeran to Slipknot. And you know, I, I'm, I'm a big folk. I'm not showing anyone Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> not even the Bring Me song. Yeah. Oh, I have shown that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have shown that. Yeah. <laughs> We've done our right Northern Irish band. We're drinking all the Guinness on behalf of everyone at the festival. And then yesterday was a bit more business. You know, it's all about the hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, so. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't do Guinness over here like you do over there. If alcohol, it just doesn't taste right over here, I don't think. I don't know. I have the opinion that shit Guinness is better than no Guinness. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that is a great statement to be honest with company motto. So, back to you guys, firstly, to you, Becky. Last year, something a bit monumental happened for you while you were here. Is it a bit weird being back now? So you're like, holy shit. It is. I know, yeah, like uh, wandering around, especially behind the main stage. My heart did a flutter. And I was like, oh, my God. This, you know, it takes me back last year, yeah. Um, meeting King Diamond for the first time. Seeing Merciful Fate for the first time. And then, yeah, having the invite to, uh, to do their tour with them. I just... I, I don't know how it really came about. I'm still kind of in disbelief about it, to be honest. Which headliner are you eyeing up to join this year? Will you? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Megadeth have recently got their new bass player, but you know. <laughs> He's not part of the family. Yet, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Easy come, easy go. <laughs> yeah, really well. Like, we've never played this festival before. I've been here as like a punter before, but yeah. I've never played it. So it's just really nice to have such a fantastic debut. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you're, you're, you guys are on the massive rise at the moment, so I think you're getting noticed everywhere, which is great. Um, no, not at all. Uh, when did you get here? Uh, we got here, when did we get here? 10am, so not too bad. Got, got about six, seven hours of sleep, so that's kind of kind of all you hope for, really, was, isn't was it? That, yeah. You don't want to be too rested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too nice. <laughs> is it in a hotel by any chance? Travel lunch. No, nah, for fuck's sake. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. so cheap. <laughs> Love it. It's the best way to do it because everyone's like, "You're camping. <laughs> what are you doing that for?" Oh no, I'm no. Like, as soon as I hit like my late twenties and I'm, I'm 31 now, no, no. <laughs> no. I, I like. I really admire people who do. I like camping, but camping at a festival is very different from here. like camping. It's my first time here and my first time headlining a festival ever. Holy really? shit! Yeah, the boys did it back in the day, but we, since I've been back, we haven't headlined a festival that I can think of. It's yeah. gonna be, yeah. I might be wrong. I definitely don't remember a lot of things, but uh, I think I'd remember headlining a festival. I don't think we have. I don't think we have. Yeah. How's your blood stop been so far? Great. Uh, I went out into the crowd and bought some food. And I probably met about a hundred people today, and just kind and excited and supportive. And there's a real 
vibe here that is unlike a lot of festivals I've been to. People are just, yeah, I guess the word is just kind. There's a lot of kindness going around. It's like it's uh, ingrained into this festival. You know, you can tell yeah. people are here to like look out for each other and just enjoy themselves. No, absolutely. It's got a very. And without further ado, here's all the greatest moments of the catch-ups over the last year. Hit it. T Rex spin would be weird, wouldn't it? It couldn't actually. <laughs> it'd have to. Re- it'd have to really bend down. <laughs> or they'd, what they'd have to do is they'd have to climb the top. But you can't turn his wrist. You've got no wrist. You can't turn him, can he? But T Rex turn its turn its hands. It can't. So it's going to have to. There's a lot up here. Even then, if it got be... on top, it'd just be like, "Fuck, I'm stuck." They're going to have to be very good at handstands. It would have to be very good at handstands. And then just like dip, just dip, dip, like he's fucking dipping a chip into some tzatziki. <laughs> oh, and we got onto the topic of penises. And do. as we do, uh, and we what we what I found absolutely mental, right, is that some animals have barbed penises. Okay. Yes. What female looks at and goes, "Oh my god, you know what? I want you to fucking tear my insides out after you've." Do you know what I mean? After you've absolutely ruined me, I want you to absolutely tear my insides straight out. So, you know, because cats have barbed penises and you're like... They do, yes. No wonder they're so agitated and angry at everything all the time. (coughs) It does make sense why my cat's an asshole. Because she's female. So, yeah, it does make sense. It's like a mace, isn't it? The the fucking ball, that's what I mean. Like, what? Who the... Oh, I would be gutted... If we, if as males had barbed penises, because we, we'd never ever have sex ever. We catch it on our trousers like, all the time. Be fucking nightmare. Don't fucking think so, mate. That's going nowhere near me. Thank you very much. Well, I said I want you to rip my in, destroy me insides. I didn't mean like this. Oh, you know. <laughs> didn't mean, didn't mean literally. <laughs> but then we got, then it got weirder. The fuck does it get weirder than talking about barbed penises? Ducks. Ducks. Ducks also have barbed penises, but okay. ducks. A duck's cock is a corkscrew. Wait, what? Did you know that? <laughs> it's, no. it's corkscrew shaped. I know where I'm going. Um, I need to open a bottle of wine. This is what I mean. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're like, like, so when we're talking about how ducks are Tories, so, <laughs> you know, they could be like, quack, quack, yes. No, sorry, let me just insert myself inside you. And then they have to like spin, like they have to rotate around to get inside. <laughs> and then rotate back out again. If you think that you have that, that's how it. Obviously, it's not how it works, but it's just funny in my head. But like, do you think they're going to have to rotate in with a barbed cock? So as they're going into the to the lady duck, she's like, ah, oh, oh Jesus Christ, oh my God! It's like it's, it's almost like you know how you're like inserting a screw into a chest of drawers or something. It literally, be like that, and then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then so when they're actually doing the deed, then like a, a duck's a lady's duck's vagina can't be. Corkscrew shape, surely. I was going to say, is it riveted on the inside of a thing? That's got to be the most painful, (laughs) most horrific experience of a duck's life. Um, (laughs) And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we got tickets to see Seal. (laughs) What? Yeah, Seal. As in Kiss from a Rose Guy, yeah. I I know, I'm fucking, I'm not expected to go to a show (laughs) the entire time, am I? Of course, yeah. I know who the fucking seal is. He's gonna go see him hold a bowl on his nose. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, just, I, was I like, couldn't tell it was a look of confusion. Why seal or who the fuck seal? I just wasn't I sure. Know who, who doesn't know who seal is? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> hold on, oh, how did you go just, see this? 
How did you just sound brummy then? That was so weird. <laughs> of course, I know who Seal is. You've been talking to me for way too long. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it's like being like, oh, you know who the Spice Girls are, right? No, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> Did they sing single bilingual? What? Shot boys. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Random fucking <laughs> You know, that S Club 4. It's probably what it is now. Um... <laughs> Definitely love two. What about A5? <laughs> Okay, I'm just double checking. All right, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about the front road boys? <laughs> what about in synchronization? <laughs> Fuck me. You know, the Christopher Rose guy. No, Jamie, I had absolutely no fucking clue. Oh, right, that. Jesus Christ. I'm just double checking. It's probably an all-seated gig because <laughs> everyone's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's probably no young fans. <laughs> I know loads of young people going to cheeky shit. Oh, bloody hell! Oh, bloody hell! Saxon! Oh, Saxon! I wonder. <laughs> oh, bloody Judas Priest! I'm having Judas Priest for hours. A wee dipper. <laughs> if we're breaking the law, now I'm just breaking me. Okay, now. <laughs> oh, let's. Boys, let's all get up and rock like we used to in the nineteen forties. <laughs> oh, that's me done for that. Painkiller, <laughs> that sounds a fucking great idea. Thank you. <laughs> did, did you did you bring me did you bring me to my to shoot in my Hermes class? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a bit of bread for me tomato shoot? <laughs> I love a bit of dippy bread. Sorry for the dead air, guys. Jamie's absolutely dying at the moment. I'm trying to compose myself and you keep talking about tomato soup. <laughs> Stan, Stan, is it, is it hands? If it's not hands, I'm not interested. <laughs> Bloody hell, you, you haven't brought mushroom back since yet. Oh, fuck me. Fucking mush, mushroom shoot. Stop. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We do apologise. I'll stop now. I'll stop. It's all good. What well, I'm watching. Later. Crazy, crazy. I've got a minute, Gene. I've got this. Crazy night. Oh. What's funny is that is very, that does actually kind of come true in, in a sense. Oh, amazing. Uh, I, I, I wonder if Babe Station has it. I wonder if like Red red Hot XXXXX has it. Do you know what I mean? It's like on the bed and they're just there going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like presenting and then be like. <laughs> I've come. Absolutely brilliant. Fix your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> you need some plumbing, <laughs> Why's your dick out, mate? Oh, because that's what I use. <laughs> right. Before we offend every single dead person in the world, 
<laughs> yeah, because we, we should go over this for fucking ages, probably. So we should probably move on. Um, I had Monday Night Raw on last week, and Gary just turned to me and she was like, Oh, what's John Cena's catchphrase again? It's I see you, isn't it? Anyway, we move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> that doesn't even need discussing. That I is. You. I see you. Yeah, yeah. I see you. No, I see you. I see you. When we get one on one in that ring of WrestleMania, I'll see you. <laughs> the future of sofas is here. Well, there we are. Maybe people have got sick of fucking DFS and SCS being like, sales! And when that sale ends, sales! Yeah, <laughs> we love sales here. More sales. Guess what happens on Boxing Day? Another sale. Guess what? Sales never fucking end. I'm actually sick of my job and I want to kill myself. <laughs> And then you pay all this money, we get it to your house, and we can't get it through your door. Oh, it's the wrong colour, size, and it's not even a sofa. It's a bed. We're mental here. We sell absolutely anything, providing it's in the sale. If it's on sale, we'll deliver it. Don't you worry about that. We sell. If it's on sale, we sell. We even sell in sale itself. Just outside Manchester. We love it there. That's where our headquarters is, so everybody can be like, I work in sale! Lovely! <laughs> All we need. Who finds that sexy? <laughs> no fucking clue. What <laughs> right, Bob? Oh my God, I'm soaking wet. <laughs> You're all right, Bob. I'd love to take you out and maybe take you down a back alley. Do I need to put a towel down? Should I put a towel down? <laughs> Every time I speak, she fucking ejaculates everywhere. Sticking on the concept of time. Why the fuck were kids trying to get the time off an animal that howls? What's the time, Mr. Wolf? Oh, for fuck's sake. Why, why are you asking a wolf? What's it going to say to you? Uh, or, or basically, um, nom, nom, children are tasty. Well, to be fair, if memory serves, it, it, it says the uh, time and then sneaks up slowly behind you before you've got to run away from it to the game. Who the fuck made this up? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you asking a wolf? Why don't you just ask a human being? Why don't you ask a teacher or your <laughs> mum? Like, it makes no sense. Mum, I was going to ask you the time, but I've just seen a friend, quite a friendly looking <laughs> wolf over there. I'm going to ask him instead. He's yeah, there's a whole wolf. pack. Yeah, there's a whole pack over there. They've got the fucking iPads out. So, you know, let's go and ask them. <laughs> I'd love it if the wolf was like, look, love, can you fuck off? I'm trying to work out my taxes. <laughs> I've got I've got a family of three to feed here, uh, <laughs> and let's just say it's not. I'm I'm trying to fucking do with me accounting, and it's just not <laughs> happening. All right, uh, I've got a, mer- a company merger coming, and it's to be about three thousand dollars. If so, if you don't mind, can you go and ask your mum for the time instead? For some reason, I don't even know why I can speak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I'm a tax accountant. Actually, because uh... I'm a wolf. It's quite weird, really. <laughs> yeah, normally I'm just hungry and I howl a lot. Um, I was going to go eat someone's grandma, but I thought, fuck it, I'm going to learn accountancy instead. <laughs> oh, you tore a red riding hood? Yeah. <laughs> so it tasted because she was wearing red. I would have left her alone if she hadn't fucking bothered me and kicked me bush. <laughs> her grandma was having to piss off for years. That's why I ate her, the prick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, no, 
I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll fucking dress up as the grandma. You know, I'm a tax accountant here, so you've got to see. The stresses of life here. The stresses of life. I've now got to eat a grandma, then try and eat her. You see what I mean, Charles? Go and ask your mum what fucking time it is. Leave me alone. And then tomorrow, I've got to go try and break into some pigs' houses. It's a busy life, I lead. It's a busy <laughs> life. And, and for some reason, they think I've got a massive set of lungs on me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, dickhead here. My brother tried to blow down a house full of bricks. What a twat. <laughs> it's obviously the hair. You go for the hair one. You go for the hair. Why do you go for the bricks, you fucking bellend? <laughs> I love the idea of this all being the same wolf just having a really 100%. time of life. 100%. Yeah. He just wants to do his taxes. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why they picked lions, but there's a king. Apparently, there's a lion that's a fucking king in Africa. Have you heard about this? <laughs> fucking mental, that. <laughs> They're making animals kings now. <coughs> Jesus Christ, trying to kill me off. And don't even talk to George down that road in the hall. Apparently, he's a fantastic fox. Yeah, <laughs> mental. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, fantastic, Mr. Fox. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Just letting you know, got a brand new merch store out please there. Please let me say the and, link. Uh, let me say the link, please. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yes, you can say. You can say the link. Yes. All right. Okay. So the link for the shop. So the link for is... the link for the shop is www.saywecanfly.com. Shop. All right, good job, Seamus. So www.saywecanfly.shop, uh, 10% off if you use the code. Oh, let the me code, say the code. Let me say the code, please. Okay, fine. You can say the code. If you use the code. The code is The Chronicles. What? No, it's not. The Chronicles. No, it's not. De- it's The Chronicles, Seamus. Yeah, that's what I okay? said. The Chronicles at checkout, all right? You, you get 10% off. 10% off. Yes, oh, yes, they know. They know, Seamus. Okay. I'm just trying to help, all right? Visit www.saywecanfly.shop and use code THECHRONICLES for 10% off your order. Available participating Say We Can Fly restaurants and web stores. Some restrictions may apply, but probably not. Every single week on this show, we are joined by the man with the big muscles and the big brain, Mr. Callum Treacher. And he treaches us, he treaches the world, he treaches the universe. All those incredible thoughts that go on in his big old brain. So let's ask the question, what did Callum treat us in 2023? Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Hello, this week's treachings come from the set of my own podcast, That Gym Couple Podcast, that I host with my partner, Lucy, where we discuss all things gyms, fitness, gym anxiety, and a bunch of other stuff in between. If you do have the opportunity to come and check us out at That Gym Couple Podcast on Spotify and YouTube, we'd very much appreciate it. Humans are the most intelligent animals on Earth, yet we're the only ones who have to be told not to look directly into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) So true. And then when you get told to do it, you fucking do it, don't you? Yeah, every time. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Literally happened the other day. I was reading something on Facebook. It's like, don't look exactly to the sun. I was like, why? It can't be that bad. Ah, fuck. Yes, it is. (laughs) But then did you ever think that when you bought sunglasses, you thought you could look into it? And it's yeah. still like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it, kids. Which means ah, everyone listening to this has just done it right now. Yeah. You tell me not to look into the sun, but I have these things that are called sun glasses. 
So now I may avast thine gaze upon thine. Ah, I'm blind. <laughs> Bollocks. And they told me not to look. I still did it. I thought I'd won them over, but I'll get those meddling kids. I remember in like the late 90s, early 2000s, the, like, when there was an eclipse. And like the newspaper yeah. gave you out these special glasses so you could look at the sun. Could you bollocks? It's still fucking hurt. Jamie, listen to what you just said. <laughs> you said free glasses for free in a newspaper. Yes, I know. <laughs> I was a child. Okay. <laughs> Meatballs it, it... have to be the laziest named food in existence. <laughs> <laughs> It's not rock, is it? <laughs> that and chicken. What part of it is it? It's chicken. All right, that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, but then you could say about orange. That's true. It's just an orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think orange might actually be up there with a, as a contender. What's this? It's an orange. Why? Look at colour. It done. tastes like orange. That's so weird. It? it tastes like it. It is one, and it's the colour. Um, that's so funny. I said, I wonder who invented that. Like, oh, I mean, what if I just met, like, the kids just go, like, la, 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 People love the uniqueness of snowflakes, but potatoes are equally unique and no one cares. <laughs> what are they? I suppose, of course they are. Because <laughs> they could do fucking everything, potatoes. You eat them in so many different ways. We talked about this a few weeks ago on the show, I swear. We did, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, I suppose because snowflakes are so fucking intricate and the fact that it falls out the sky, do you know what I mean? Like, no one no one actually handles that in any way, shape, or form. It just falls out, out of the sky and everyone's like, fuck. The potatoes go like, in the ground. Is there going to some little old nanny up in the sky, like, shit, knitting, quick, fucking hell. Yes, yes, God, yes, God, all right. I'm going, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> all over the world, are you mental? <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, potatoes are worshipped in so many ways. I, I feel like he's right. We are missing out on celebrating their uniqueness because every potato is beautiful. So, I don't know why some sort of hymn came into my head, but I can't sing because I don't know what I was on about, but it just came into my head. Like, every potato's beautiful. That's all the thing, yeah. <laughs> that's every sperm is sacred for Monty Python. That's not a hymn. Oh, that's what I came don't know what head. that is. <laughs> If the sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. Um, <laughs> I fucking love potatoes. At some point, the detail of drawing a penis goes from graffiti to actual porn. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> That's actually rare. What is the obsession with drawing penis on things? I've never understood. Like, at school, all the time, it would be like, but you would always do like <sighs> the phallus bit, and you'd always do that little set and the line, and then the little spunk things. Then balls started to come into with hairs on, and you're like, to say, you got to draw the hairs on the balls. Got to draw the hairs on. And the now balls. all of a sudden, yeah, it's getting like crazy. I... <laughs> it's like draw, draw something. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, what can I draw? What can I? I could draw a star. 
I could draw a house. I'm going to draw a massive fucking cock. <laughs> Why did you just start with Superbad? But... <laughs> Never seen it. So oh, the main character in it is obsessed with drawing dicks, so it's just tons of them. Uh, but that is. But what is the line? That is the question. What is the line between ha ha ha? I'm drawing a dick, and this is fine art, ladies and gentlemen. This is a penis. You can basically violate any country's cuisine by putting ketchup on it. <laughs> Are you listening, Keris Mansfield? Are you listening to this right now? So true. Stop putting ketchup on everything. It doesn't need it. It's already got tomato-based sauce and you don't need another fucking sauce to go on top. <laughs> Fair. The same could be said to my son Sam, but with mayonnaise. Like he puts it on fucking everything. You don't need to. I don't I don't I oh, oh my mama used to make these all the time. We make a piece of the rest of my life. I mean it took her 40 years. 40 years. Lovely. You got any mayo? <laughs> That's why I think of your fucking pizza grandma. <laughs> Absolutely destroyed it. It took her 50 years to perfect the recipe. I don't give a shit. You got mayonnaise? <laughs> Because I'm going to absolutely coat this fucker in it. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's all I think your, gra- your Peter grandma <laughs> If you handcuff a deaf person, you take away their freedom of speech. <laughs> Can we laugh at that? <laughs> I thought the last one was top tip. That. That. I, I don't think I want to touch it, Jay. If I'm really honest. Can we add to that? It's perfection. You can't it's add anything. I think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Other than being oh able to God. turn around and sort of ate, trying. God, I'm so bad. Callum, just... like, that is... Jamie, what is it? Superb. I can't... I, uh, that is magnificent. Most That's animals so... have never burned the inside of their mouth. <laughs> well, how do you know this? Yeah, how do, you know how do you know they haven't had a massive fire and sat around and sang Kumbaya and then gone, ah, <laughs> the, meat is, the meat or the marshmallows are ready. Um, <laughs> ah, bastard, hot. <laughs> no, I've never seen an animal walking around going... <laughs> I wonder if you could, like... I mean, they won't be eating revenge, put it that way. But, like, if you cooked, I don't know, because you, you'd have to cook it, they might run to the zoo, wouldn't you? I'm like, there you go, monkey. And they go, ah! <laughs> How do you know a monkey's screaming in terror? Is it screaming because his mouth's on fire rather than just, like, making the noise? For some reason, the monkey's noise has gone right out of my head. Um, what's it fucking called? Monkey? Yeah, what's the noise they make? <laughs> What's it called? Ooh, ah, oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Classic Jamie answer. Um, <laughs> that's a really good point, actually, because obviously there's a neigh from a horse or, yeah. a, you know, a, a bark from a dog. What elephants? Are tr- ele- elephants? What <laughs> noise do elephants make? Like, what's a <laughs> called? Trumpets? I don't know. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? How, like, the wild animals, don't, don't you don't get words for your noises, sorry. You don't get words from those. No, sorry. We ran out. We ran out of domesticated animals. I'm I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what else to tell you. Still trying to want to know what you mean by that's such a Jamie answer. The fuck's that supposed to mean? 
a trumpet? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I thought the monkey one was when you went, uh, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Like, oh, God's sake. What the fuck to call it? I wanted to just come out with a random word. I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> okay, you three. <laughs> Chicken nuggets are a staple in fast food restaurants across the world, but no one ever does anything different like beef nuggets. Holy oh shit. Oh, my God. Oh, that's Alan. that's. Do you reckon it would be battered beef? Would that be? Is that a thing? Why don't we try pasty. and make them? What's wrong with? Do it, me? do it. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I love how you think that's really out there. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my god! Why am I so mental? I want to make beef nuggets. You like what those kids put on a thing, like, I told Dave to get in the bath. He got in the bath. What a madhead! Like, that sort of a... <laughs> Why do I want to make... <laughs> Why do I want to make chili con carne? <laughs> That's exotic. That's mental. <laughs> I'm going to make them. I'm going to make them all different meat nuggets. That'd be great. Do it. Oh, they a mix box. Pigeon. Oh, Nuggets Restaurant. That's what we're doing next. Nuggets Restaurant. Everything in Nugget form. Just... I was trying to, because obviously to do, you should do like game nuggets. I was trying to mix game and nuggets together and my brain was going, no, stop, no. stop there, <laughs> stop there. You think you're funny, but you're not, you ginger twat. The person who invented marriage must have been really clingy. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? In a way, you literally turn to somebody and go, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with you. Sign this paper, I now own half of you. That is fucking beautiful. That's really tickled <laughs> me. <laughs> it's, it's so true when you think about it. Like, I love you how much that I need you to sign this paper. We can only be separated by a court of law. Yeah, that's really clingy. Yeah. That's I your personal experience to take it. That's <laughs> the way you just came flying <laughs> in then. <laughs> I want everyone to know that you're mine. I want you to wear this jewellery on your finger and you, miss, will change your last name so it's the same as mine. It was invented yeah. by a man, wasn't it? It must have been. It is. No. And then it, the only way it can be made official is, oh, well, the way to make it official is we have to fuck. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> invented by a man. Yeah. <laughs> I need to put myself inside you, otherwise this becomes null and void. <laughs> that did used to be a thing, though, wasn't it? You couldn't annul a marriage if you hadn't consummated the marriage. So, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, that is. Is that still a thing? It must still be a thing. I don't know. Do you know what I think's really no. shit? Oh, I kind of want to know. Uh, I, I reckon the guy invented that side, the woman invented the prenup. Oh, definitely. So and she's like, well, actually, David, I'm <laughs> going to say that you can't have any of my shit and you can't have me unless you sign this piece of paper. <laughs> but if you do leave me, I'm having half of everything you've got, motherfucker. Well, do you think that bus drivers might be the most thanked people on the earth? Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> drive. Yes. Cheers, driver. Cheers, drive. Thanks, drive. <laughs> I did it on Saturday. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And not one of them looks any happier, but no, any time. none of them seem to have lightly appreciated. Do they? Yeah, like, yeah. 
I mean, I was going this way anyway, so you know, it's uh, yeah. my barber. It's, no, it's what I'm told to do. It's what I'm yeah. told to go. But yeah, I'm no literally problem. paid to do this, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed though on National Expresses now they've got. Um, if you've enjoyed your journey, please tip your driver. I've noticed these signs coming up now. Yeah. No, that was just that one driver who just thought, <laughs> I wonder if I can get away with this. <laughs> I got it to London in five seconds. What do you mean you're not tipping me? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's hair's like back here like... <laughs> like the legs are like quivering and shaking as they get off and it's got like a thousand mile an hour just down the fucking M4. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, that's so true. That they've got to be the most thanked people. I, I can't think of anything else that it might be the case. So yeah, what now, other profession? What we now need to do, just before I answer that question, is we now to thank them in every different way possible. You know, <laughs> I think of a different one every one that they've probably never even heard of. Uh, the way you took that bend on the A40, fucking sublime. Cheers, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Just like random shit, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. What's quite funny is the people that go at high speeds, like airplanes, trains, and stuff like that. You can't thank them. Or like, you know, <laughs> a, pi- a pilot. That's quite a, you know, a, a, I'm sure like at times a stressful job. There's a lot of turbulence. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was. I guess you do kind of thank the the stewards, the stewardesses, but never the, the pilot never really comes out and you're all like, oh, God, I would just knock on and say thanks. He hears the applause when we land. That's all it yeah, needs. Yeah, yeah. Here's everyone applaud. Oh, God. So... Oh, my days. Are you all still here? Oh, thank you so much. Again, graciously appreciated that you're just, you know, taking time to, to join us uh, on this avid ride. Uh, and now we're going to enjoy all of my favourite moments from Tom's Journal. Hit it! And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Please enter a new password. Password expired. Chicken. Password must contain a capital. Chicken Kiev. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely amazing. Tom, it's great. There's not a day that goes by where I don't think about that Backstreet Boy asking his pals, am I sexual? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a questionable lyric. Oh, God. I love that song and I've never thought of it that way. As if they're watching, they're watching him pumping away. They're like going, yeah, yeah, he's so sexual. Look at him go. Woo! Am I the only one? Yeah, you are. <laughs> hey, now. Picked up my son from karate. I was karate, son. It's really good. We're like, fuck all. You know, fuck all, son. You need to buy the YouTube for just for that moment. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> I thought 
I thought I was superb. <laughs> Jamie, pirates are just tropical goths. <laughs> Why have I never heard that before? That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Tropical cuffs. <laughs> oh. oh god, that is wonderful. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. Oh, that might be a favourite. <laughs> oh. Body parts, Jamie, are often metaphors. Okay, guts are courage. Balls are courage. Spine is courage. Toes, however, are small pigs that participate in the market economy. <laughs> this might be my favourite journal ever. It's a fucking brilliant. <laughs> small pigs in the market economy. In a universe. In a galaxy. In a solar system. On a planet, on a continent, in a channel, in an island, in a parish, in a neighborhood, on a street, in a house, in a room, somebody's thinking, is BMQ open today? That might have won award for the stupidest fucking journal entry ever. <laughs> Karis will love this one. English people will take a piss out of a Welsh place name, then go back to the house in Quimford on the Wibble. <laughs> oh, Quimford on the Wibble. It was the way you shook your head as you said it, it made it so much better. <laughs> oh. Disney teaches us to hate stepmothers. Pornhub, on the other hand, takes a completely different approach. <laughs> I never thought we'd be comparing Disney to Pornhub, but here we are. Everyone loves a fucking stepmother on Pornhub for some weird ass reason. Or a stepsister. They're not fussy as long as it's step. You fucking love your you love your stepsisters on black leather couches. Not about that. For people that don't know, that's a reference to something we did last year in regard podcasting, of course. Podcasting <laughs> just there. Yeah. Nothing to do with it my stepsister in a black coach. It was definitely on a live show back in 2021. Yeah, bloody hell. That sounds even weirder. I don't I, I've taken myself a massive hole here. You've dug me into a fucking hole, not you. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Sorry. Superman. Knuckles blooded. Sweating buckets. Breathing hard. Please. I don't want to hurt you. Just stay down. Chumbawamba, I'm so sorry, Clark. You know I just can't do that. <laughs> Where is all that going? Oh, that's my favourite. That is my favourite. It's so good. That's so fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) 
Son, dad, 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 I can't sleep. Um, I think the bougie man's under my bed. Dad, wait, don't you mean the boogie man? Voice under the bed. Wow, the thread count on these sheets is pathetic. <laughs> Go on. One was given to Monica in his <laughs> life. One was given to Erica by his side. One was given to Sandra in the sun. And one was given to Mary all night long. <laughs> For they were all of them deceived. Deep in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Lou Bega forged a master mambo. That mambo was number five. <laughs> oh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> Oh, that is a great girl, that intro. He has returned. Me, trying to learn someone's name. Brain, nope, we're at capacity. Really? <laughs> With what? Brain, Angela, Pamela, Sandra, and Rita. Me, but those aren't real people. They're just Mambo number five lyrics. Brain, a little bit of Monica in my life. Me, please stop. Brain, the trumpets. <laughs> Oh, it's been a while since I've had Lou on the show. Oh, you see Lou back with a vengeance. <clears throat> I sang that to Olivia the other week. <laughs> I was putting it into bed. She went, Daddy, sing me a song. <laughs> so she went, one, two. <laughs> I sang it like a nursery. She's like, what are you singing? <laughs> Amazing. She must learn the ways of Lou Bagger before she takes she over. Absolutely. Before he takes over. Even. <laughs> Her, I'm leaving you. Me. Wait, is it because I need our pets after rappers? Her. No, it's because his house is overrun with fucking farm animals. Me. Fine. Well, me, <laughs> Kendrick Lama, Chance the Rabbit, and Childish Lambino with Notorious P.I.G. and Dr. Nay and Quackamore don't need you anymore. <laughs> oh, incredible. I think Childish Lambino might be my favourite one, but... <laughs> Oh, Dr. Nay is like, is really up there. <laughs> the Bond's name, James' name. Please to, what? Bond's name, the James. Are you all right? <laughs> Bames Nons having a strong call of Bondulence. <laughs> <laughs> Can't start off strong, Jay. That's I had no say. idea where that was going to start with. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> if you could please open your Bible to somebody once told me the <laughs> word. <laughs> it's not where I saw that going. <laughs> Fucking excellent. I find it really hard to believe that bears made porridge and the only thing wrong with it was the temperature. And there we are, we're back. <laughs> bears making fucking porridge, are you for real? 
Are you okay? Yeah. They'll eat anything. They just eat the fucking oats, sausage bears. They'll eat anything. They're not taking the time to mix it in, heat it up, and all that stuff. That video of the bear that gets hit by the string uh, when it scratches back on the fence post and the string comes, the elastic comes around and smacks it straight in the dick and it walks away like, ah! it's <laughs> one of the best videos ever. It's and great. Also, if I'm going to assume Mama Bear, I'm, I don't like to make assumptions, but we're going to say Mama Bear is making all this porridge. How are all three bowls different temperatures and lumpiness and whatnot? Surely they would all be the same. Well, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? We're finding flaws. We're finding flaws here, boys and girls. Flaws in nursery rhymes. There we are. So <sighs> Uber's going to be having you outside looking like a fucking prostitute. Prostitute walking up to the car like, James? I always worry because I was looking for the license plate. And I'm like, some driver's gonna be like, Why are you looking at my fucking license plate, mate? Are you trying to nick my car? Like, no, we just want to go home. When you use scissors to get new scissors out of out of the packaging, okay? Yes. In a David Attenborough voice. <laughs> and through dulled with use and soon to be discarded, the aged shears still have one last vital role to play. For the kitchen, it has called home for almost a decade, freeing its young replacements from their zip-tied cradle. The circle of life continues. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so good. It was... <laughs> it's the kitchen they've called home for the past decade that really got <laughs> And your David Attenborough voice is fucking brilliant. Oh, no, come on, let's be real. That was fucking great. I closed my oh. eyes, it's like I was there. <laughs> and now we see the anteater dressed as a French maid. Go on, son. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I love Lee Evans. So let's see um, if you agree with this, JB. A good romance starts with a good friendship. And a bad romance starts with ra 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 ma 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 ga ga ooh la la. Me, I'm so sorry for bothering you. Surgeon, how do you keep waking up and saying that? <laughs> and that was another edition of Tom's Journal. <laughs> oh, they get stupid and stupid in the best way. But they're great, aren't they? It's just oh, great. It's just a nice little happy-go-feel <laughs> type thing. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing, and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com.
Every week, you beautiful people are very generous enough to answer my ridiculous audience participation questions. So here is a highlight of my personal favourite questions and answers from you wonderful people. A massive thank you for taking part in 2023. I can't wait to see what you give me in 2024. Mr. Stevens. Jamie, 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 it's an audience participation time. Oh, wonderful. And the fat controller said, participate, bitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. What's something you've done or experienced that you're never doing again, or something you just refuse to do in general? <laughs> Paul Dobson says, a prison stay. I've never been, and I'm quite a fan of not visiting so far, so I plan to yeah, keep yeah. you that way. <laughs> I'm, with that yeah. I'm with you on that one, sir. Uh, Martin Skerritt says he uh, pegging, but... He didn't say whether he doesn't want to do it or he doesn't want to do it again. He wasn't very clear with the uh, what the uh, thing was on this one. So Yeah, that's, that's mine for you. No, there you go. Um, Dean Salmon, uh, being emotionally available. <laughs> what are your New Year's resolutions or things you want to aim to achieve in 2023? Martin Skerritt says, I'm aiming to reduce the restraining order that Tom Stevens has against me to at least 10 metres. <laughs> Martin Harris to five, if you're good enough. <laughs> Dean Salmon. I won't stick to it anyway, so fuck it. Why bother? <laughs> do that in mind. If aliens were to visit this planet Earth, what's the first thing you would do? Jake Smith with possibly the most Jake Smith answer ever. I would probably try and clap some alien cheeks. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, but what if it's like teeth? Ooh. The movie. That oh, is. Yeah. I remember that movie. Ooh. But it's not <laughs> teeth. It's it, it probably just like, I don't know, like loads of hands and just like snaps everything. Oh. Oh, no. We don't like that. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> it fingers you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> or it actually just goes into like a massive globule and goes up your ass and becomes you. And then you die. Says I'd probably watch Independence Day for a bit of a training refresh. Good show. Good show. Like that idea. Good point, actually. I, I, I'm gonna save this answer. I really like this one. I'm gonna come back to that one. Mally Malpass, the first of two answers for Mally. Be the first man to post a YouTube video of a human masturbating to actual aliens. Fuck. <laughs> 
Fair. Ask you, what are your favourite little pleasures in life that just fill you pure happiness and bliss? Alan Carr, radiator pants in the winter. <laughs> you can't deny that. You know what? Do you know what? Yeah, <laughs> when you when you put your radio on, you put like your jogging bottom, your joggers on or something, just to let them warm up, and you put. Oh, he is oh. bang on there. Yeah, nothing better. <laughs> it's Mally Malpass because it's no audience participation is complete without a Mally Malpass answer. Nothing makes me happier than breaking out my less than mint 1990K's catalogue having a nostalgia wank. <laughs> phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait. Take a movie quote and simply add, you piece of shit, to the end. Feel close. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> What a film. It really works in Arnie voice for some reason. Yeah. Alex Graham from Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello, you piece of shit. <laughs> I just thought of another one. Go on. The truth. You can't handle the truth, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guy. Former guest PR Brown quoted one of my favorite movies of all time. This really made me chuckle. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home, you piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Pike? Johnny Five is alive, you piece of shit. (laughs) Water sucks. It really, really sucks, you piece of shit. Piece of shit. Oh, Ian Shaw quoting one of the a geek's heartfelt emotional moments in movie ever from Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. I have been and always shall be your friend, you piece of shit. <laughs> oh, we asked if Mali- band names were literal, what would be the worst concert you could ever attend? Darren Stevens. The Pretenders, I don't think I could watch an hour of miming. (laughs) It's dad. (laughs) Gareth Adams. Can you imagine going to a gig to imagine dragons? (laughs) (laughs) These are clever. I love them. I know. (laughs) Oh, I'll give you a few more. Joe Smith. I don't mean the sounds bad. Oasis sounds pretty relaxing. Yeah, fair, fair, I like it. <laughs> Ollie Roylands, Bloodbath. Yeah, that don't sound appealing. No, that doesn't sound appealing. Oh, the brood turned up. What's going on here? Oh. Last but not least, it's our good friend Mally Malpass. He gave us three incredible answers, which really made me laugh. First off, he says. Can you imagine going to a Snoop Dogg concert and having to watch that little prick Snoopy walking around? That would suck. <laughs> he said, Taylor Swift, 90,000 people just watching someone sewing really quickly. <laughs> I love this last one. <laughs> There's a reason this is last, because it is the best answer ever. <laughs> Bonnie Tyler, several thousand people watching a really good-looking Scottish woman doing some tiling. I thoroughly enjoyed it when I read that. That was absolutely amazing. 
Oh, Mally, I do love you. I ask you, if you could be any animal for one day, what would it be and why? First, we've got, um, I'm just going to get this one out of the way, Martin Skerritt. He wants to be a mosquito so he can suck you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, he apologises. Yeah, I, 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 that's what made me laugh even more. <laughs> I fucking love that guy. Aaron Stevens. A blue whale, just for my massive wank. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. That's your dad, that is. Yes, yes it is. Sorry, guys. To everyone listening to this, I apologise. <laughs> Gemma Williams, I'd like to be a bear. You get to sleep for six months of the year, and I could do with that. And plus, to be a bear, so rah. Isn't it a day? It is a day, but still, yeah. just sleep for the whole day. Fuck it, why not? Lizzie Edwards, a kangaroo, so I could knock some people out. There's some serious aggression going on. That is, that is genius. <laughs> it is pretty genius. It's the most. So this week, we ask, who were your bizarre childhood crushes? Animated? Video games? puppets whatever it may be abby lloyd basically every animated fox ever but weirdly enough i have heard so many people on like comment sections being crushing over the fox from robin hood so when she heard what does the fox say did it make her <laughs> you know did it bring her to climax <laughs> oh i wish i heard what the fox had to say <laughs> <laughs> I do not like the face I just pulled down. I'm going to put a big sticker on my face on the YouTube video for that. <laughs> Laurie Jean says, Beast from Beauty and the Beast, but only as a beast. He let me down as soon as he turned into a human. <laughs> That's a lot. Jamie, I've got a feeling now. I'm quite familiar with the bestiality here. I'm getting the feeling. I am getting the feeling. And she says, also Wolf from Gladiators. So it wasn't just me that fancied a gladiator when we were a kid. Bear in mind, what is your favourite, most memorable moments from meeting a celebrity? Matthew Doherty says, I used to have long hair down to my lower back. When I met Hulk Hogan, I told him how big of a fan I was. And he said, if you're such a fan, how about you give me some of that hair, brother? (laughs) (laughs) He said, when I met John Cena, I'd just seen blockers. And I said to the line behind me, ladies, if you want to go see a naked John Cena, go see blockers. He bent over with laughter and clapped me on the shoulder. Fucking great story. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lisa Clemens. I met Robin Williams during his more crazy oh. days. It's JFK Airport Christmas time when he was on the same flight my sister came in on. I was raised as an airline employee's kid and taught not to take up too much time of celebrity's time. I tripped over my own words there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they are busy folks and paying customers. We chatted briefly about holiday plans and I thanked him for the autograph, which which was in pencil, as it's all I had. And it was lost eventually in one move or another. No! And- and he said, I had to go. I wish I hadn't, as I see, as he seemed to want to chat more. Oh, oh I'm really jealous of that. That is amazing. Very keen. This story is beautiful. I love this one. I worked in Euro Disney for two years back in the day, including arriving six weeks before it even opened. So before the opening, there was every celebrity on the planet you can imagine staying. I was working night shift in one of the hotels, which had a games arcade in it. And as I passed for the check-in at 4am, there was a Robin Williams in his pyjamas with his little girl who was having mighty fun playing on all of the video games. I asked him if everything was okay and he replied, yeah, she couldn't sleep, so he came down here for a break. But that was two hours ago and now I think I'm just stuck here. 
he burst out <laughs> laughing. And I remember as I made my way, I realized that one of the world's best, best loved and most famous funny men of all time had made a joke just for me and nobody else. A very treasured memory. How beautiful is that? <laughs> I love him so much. Not Jerry. I do love Jerry. But, we do love Jerry though. <laughs> uh, but Robin, but Robin, like just, just yeah. <laughs> I need to watch a Robin Williams movie tonight. I think just just need my just need my fill. Just need my fill. I fucking adore that man. I mean, if you've made it this far now in the video, like fair play. I absolutely I salute you and I bow. I bow. I you know fair play to you. Thank you for spending all of your time sat here chilling with us and going over all our favourite and best moments of the show for 2023. Uh, but as you know, uh, if you want to follow us on any social medias, it's at TCO Pod. That's on all social medias. Or subscribe to us uh, on YouTube at The Chronicles of Podcast. Uh, and make sure you hit that bell to get notified when your videos release as well. It would mean the world. Uh, thank you for being on this ride with us over 2023. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you all again in 2024 for some wonderful, more crazy-ass interviews uh, and absolutely hilarity to ensue. See you all then, guys. Thank you very much.